Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about the controversy surrounding the National Keep the Hives Alive Tour, which was organized by several advocacy groups, and how industry is using this opportunity to keep their PR spin alive. Joining us today is beekeeper James Cook from Old Mill Honey Company, who's actually on the road with the tour. First, I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Mr. Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. It's good to be back. And our guest today, Mr. James Cook. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, June. Good to talk with you guys. James, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your work as a commercial beekeeper? Uh, sure. Um, just for everybody listening, to give you context, um, I'm, I'm only 30 years old. I've been doing beekeeping for about five years uh, commercially with uh, Old Mill Honey. Um, and part of, part of what really brought me into this tour was... Um, looking at the fact that I, I love what I do and there's some serious issues going on out there and, and I, through first-hand experience I've, I've seen a lot of it um, directly correlated to you know pesticide use and just the broader agricultural picture we have in our food system. I wanted to speak kind of as the next generation of beekeeper that's kind of staring down the barrel of the, the system we live in currently and the, the food environment that that we are dealing with and so part of doing the tour was just trying to um, get out there and have a a new voice be heard and one that is not towards the end of their career but is in fact just at the beginning and so I think that brings a lot more context to um, those who are coming next so that's a real big push of mine. Could you explain just what the tour consists of? Yeah, right now um, I'm actually in between stops. I just got done in uh, Montevideo, Minnesota um, out at Moonstone Farm, and I'm heading to um, Ann Arbor in Detroit to have a rally tomorrow with and a group of urban beekeepers and farmers out in Detroit. And I'm actually driving a uh, Dodge 3500 flatbed truck with a bunch of billboards on it for some great signage and also about 2.6 million dead bees, the equivalent of 75 hives. Part of that is that I'm trying to help bring awareness and some context to what's going on inside of the bee industry, what we're kind of faced with annually. It's a very scary picture but in in essence i'm 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 really doing this to to help um bring some awareness to it and also talk to the people that are trying to do change um whether that's farmers switching up their practices and looking at it in a new way or um community advocates uh, that are um having uh cities become bee-friendly areas or even some of the larger beekeepers that are having to engage both legislatively and unfortunately the road of having to get the lawyers and lawsuits involved because that seems to be one of the few places we can get any traction these days which works at times and other times we hit big hurdles there but i guess we're, we're really trying to hope to pull a diverse pool of people together to show the picture of what is being done not just that there is a problem we all at this point have 
or a theory or a notion that there is something going on in the bee and pollinator world, but in our broader food system in general. The tour is trying to sew all of these different voices together and to show that there are people trying to make change and do something about it instead of just being sacked with, there's this problem and I don't know what to do. And so that's what we're really hoping to raise some awareness with. James, can you go into detail about the tour? Where are you going to be traveling to? And can you also talk about some of the experiences that you've had interacting with the public when the public sees all of these dead bees? Sure, June. Uh, basically, we've uh, already had two stops underneath our belt. We had one back uh, near Brookings, South Dakota, and one in Montevideo. Um, it's been, honestly, an incredible uh, inspirational journey so far, talking uh, those few places to some young farmers who are really working on trying to change their practices on their farms and also to hopefully inspire some people to change some things up with their neighbors. One guy is you know, doing no-till farming and uh, has completely eliminated his use of insecticides on all of his grain crops and has greatly reduced the need for any herbicide and also is reintroducing, like, cattle and some animals back into the land to try to help them with the whole process. And just seeing how, even though they may not be getting to the ultimate goal that we all would love to see, uh, a pesticide and uh, free environment, of course, but... In reality, you know, it, it, it's those steps that can be done that people can do that really help to make a change. So it was incredible just to see some of these young people that are, are working on doing that on, on, on a level that really, you know, pollinators are involved there. They want to see more pollinators come to, you know, their farms and to have a habitat for them. But just some of those incremental changes that can help the food system and environments around them. Up next, we're actually heading, uh, I'm on the road right now, heading to Detroit and Ann Arbor, to go talk to uh, a group of urban beekeepers and some urban farmers doing some things down in D-Town and near Detroit. And uh, really looking forward to that. And then after that, we head out to Pennsylvania to talk with David Hackenberg. I'm sure you guys have maybe had him on the show before, but a rather large commercial beekeeper. And then uh, we are heading down to uh, Raleigh, North Carolina to Bears Bee Care Headquarters, where we're going to do um, some rallying and playing of the dead bees and trying to further the conversation of how they're just spinning the, the notion that they are in fact actually, they're, they're bee friendly, they're trying to help the pollinators, when in fact we all know that the vast majority of what bear produces is uh, very likely, and, and a lot of the science is behind it, causing most of the problems we're having. And then we're heading up to Washington, D.C., where uh, I'm actually going to be part of a congressional briefing, give testimony there, and also do a rally in front of the EPA. Uh, deliver a poster that we're taking with us to having people signing on it, uh, requesting that the EPA actually take action and, and enact some legislation, meaningful legislation, to try to uh, resolve some of these issues and to hopefully get some, you know, further research actually being done to show that these things are, in fact, super toxic and are really detrimental to, you know, our food system, not just pollinators, but us, us too. Um, you know, there's such little burden of proof required, it seems, for companies to have to be able to register products. And the studies that they do come up with uh, sure seem lacking, in my opinion. Um, I'm not a scientist, won't claim to be, but, you know, it, some of this stuff doesn't seem much beyond common sense to me. Well, James, that's exactly how many people feel. They can see exactly what's going on, and you don't necessarily need to be a scientist to figure that out. But the truth of the matter is there have been numerous 
studies that have been independently conducted and peer-reviewed and published by so many scientists, and the amount of evidence is tremendous. But yet, industry continues to profit from the most deadly chemicals that have been put on the face of this planet. We're being exposed to so many chemicals, and it's just gotten to the point where if we don't do something, we may not have much time to do anything if, if we don't do something now. Sure, and I think one of the hardest things that I've, I see happening a lot are the scientists that actually want to stick their necks out there and research um, pesticides in the environment and pesticides against pollinators and all those other areas looking at that end up just being beaten down. They're asked to not publish. If they're a, a government employee, they tend to get stifled or demoted or, you know, um, forced essentially to resign. And that is what is scary to me, is that the, the system that is in place to actually regulate these things, in my view, is failing. I mean, it, we're, we're seeing system-wide. I mean, some very prominent scientists that I've, I've actually worked with um, have caught so much flack for doing that type of research that that's something that I find incredibly scary. The science that gets promoted quite a bit is, you know, in the bee industry, it's throw mites the problem. We need to plant more flowers and forage and nutrition. Not that those aren't things that we need to look at, but if you don't add the element of what toxins they're also bringing in, we don't get a full picture and, and it doesn't really do justice to the, the pollinators that we benefit so greatly from and nature benefits so greatly from. If you like flowers, if you like seeing all of those things happening, we need pollinators. That's, that's how that entire system works. And so it's scary to me that the science behind showing those problems are, are being crushed, essentially, time and time again. And I, I applaud anyone out there who's in the science field that is trying to do research and trying to find funding to actually look into some of these things. Because I know personally from being involved in it how, how difficult it can be and how hard it can be when that, that big crushing force is looming over you. So I guess I just want to say thank you to everybody who's trying. James, you and I have talked about this a little bit recently, and the concern mm -hmm. on, on the part of people who are involved in these issues is that the very agencies that are put in place to prevent these kinds of problems seem to be the problem themselves, and they've been deeply corrupted by the influence and the power and the money of industry. And uh, is there anyone in Congress or any representatives who've shown support for this? Because this this appears to be, for the lower level life forms, this appears to be the most massive poisoning of the environment that we have ever seen. And what we get from agencies like the USDA and the EPA and the Extension Service are excuses and evasions and uh, what? how are we addressing this and how does the Keep the Hives Alive tour fit in with uncovering this corruption and correcting it? Uh, can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I can try to give my two cents on that. Um, I guess one of the main things, we are um, heading, heading to Washington, D.C. during Pollinator Week. That's kind of the whole 
purpose of culminating the tour out there. So there's going to be already a little bit more of a, let's just use the word buzz on, <laughs> on, uh, on Capitol Hill um, during that week of the 22nd is our first day in D.C. Um, and part of going there, um, I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have the legislators' names in front of me and my brain has been uh, so, so busy with everything else that we're working well, on. you are uh, driving. The tours. Yeah, and, and I, am, I am driving. I'm on uh, Bluetooth, just in case anybody is concerned on that. I have two hands on the wheel. Um, but uh, we are working with um, the senator. I think it's a, a senator who actually is putting on the, uh, the briefing that we're going there for. Um, and I, I think some legislation is going to be proposed um, along with that. I don't have details on it currently, but that is uh, something that is happening uh, in the works. And I think there is actually um, some momentum from certain, certain congressmen and legislators, uh, senators, to actually try to enact some things. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I have a lot of hope that some change is on the horizon. If you go out, um, maybe this is a little off context, but just talking to people when they learn that I'm a beekeeper, very often I get asked, so are you really seeing that many issues with, with your hives? And I, I always am like, yeah, we really are industry-wide. Um, you know, we're losing easily on the low end 40%, but most likely somewhere 50, 60, or 70% of our hives every year and throughout the year. And that always blows people away. They often ask, well, is it, you know, what, what's going on? Is it diseases? Is it this mite I hear about? And you, very often I say um, those are contributing factors. But to be honest, pesticides are the biggest slice of the pie. And they almost unanimously go, well, that's kind of what I thought. And I, I honestly think that the momentum in, in, um, in people's minds is there, in, the, in society is there. Uh, people are incredibly aware of it, and I think that that sort of momentum can go a long way to pressuring and putting pressure on lawmakers to actually enact meaningful change. Um, if you don't have their constituents actually voicing issues or voicing concerns, they're never going to do anything to actually change it. So I think that we're starting to finally hit some critical mass in a lot of these issues, and I think that we might be able to start to get somewhere. I wish that tomorrow we could flip the light switch and this all would go away, but we all know that in the system where we live in, things take a little time. But um, I'm hoping that time frame is a lot shorter than, than it could be. But uh, part of the whole B tour is, in fact, uh, heading out there to be able to talk with legislators and uh, hopefully be able to push um, a, a piece of legislation that's coming, coming, here, uh, coming along. Do you have a website? that uh, people could go to to follow the progress of your tour? We're on Facebook. It's uh, Keep Hives Alive. Is uh, Keep the Hives Alive. If you go on Facebook, you'll find it there. Um, if you also Google it, there's the website there. I don't have the, the address in front of me, but there should be a bunch of stuff coming up uh, on, on online about what we're doing. But so if people were to look there. under Keep the Hives Alive, that would get them to yep, that you. Would get them to, yeah. uh, that would get them there and involved. Um, and see what we're up to, and hopefully we'll continue to post a lot more as we go. And next week you uh, culminate in Washington, correct? And that's yep. next week is National Pollinator Week. You got it right. Yeah, on the 22nd we're hoping to be in Washington, D.C. That's when we have uh, um, a rally in front of the EPA. Anybody who's near Washington that wants to come out, um, uh, take a look on our uh, Facebook page there, and I think you'll be able to get the details. Um, we're also going to be doing a congressional briefing um, and doing some testimony there 
And then the next day, hopefully, we'll be talking to um, congressmen and some senators about uh, um, about all of this. Now, unfortunately, you're not getting the support that you had hoped to. In the Star Tribune, there was an article that was put up by the Associated Press, and basically, they did not necessarily represent your viewpoints. It was interesting that they took this as an opportunity to really show how advertising dollars do matter. Um, you know, I thought actually that the headline that they had on there was a little more catching than I've seen of some recently. Um, why are 2.5 million dead bees touring the country? Uh, that definitely, I'm sure, grabbed some attention. I wish there could have been a little bit uh, more um, substance to the actual piece itself, um, talking about issues we see with pesticides and some other things like that. There is, of course, the classic um, varroa mite is one of our biggest issues, which um, I, I'll be honest, guys, that was a part of a study um, that actually tracked hives um, for the entire year in the environment in which we put them in. Um, from Minnesota to California, we followed um, romite levels, we followed pathogens, we looked at um, uh, the pesticide loads that they were getting, and uh, lo and behold, one of the few hives that actually survived the entire year sustained the highest varroa counts of any of the hives in our operation for the entire year, and it was one of the only ones that survived. So in my personal experience, Varroa might, yes, they can devastate a hive if left unchecked, but they are far from our biggest enemy. They, they do contribute issues, but if you can't have a healthy organism, they aren't going to be able to combat a lot of the other things that come along. And it, that, I think, is something that a lot of people don't want to address. It's really a shame that you have such a tremendous effort to show the public firsthand what exactly these dead bees look like. For the Associated Press to do this, I thought it was so distasteful. You know, they, they have this headline that does mislead people into thinking that it's something that's going to be in support of the beekeepers, but lo and behold, when you take a look at it, they don't quite represent what you've been advocating. And I know that Friends of the Earth is very, very much against neonicotinoids, and they don't just make a general statement. Point blank, Tiffany's been on the show numerous times, and mm -hmm. she's talked about how we must ban neonicotinoids. And the same thing with the folks that you work with, as well as numerous other commercial migratory beekeepers. So the whole subject was completely diverted. Yeah, and, and I think um, I think that was I think that was intentional. I think uh, industry is looking at what you're doing, and they're trying to get a step ahead of you, and use your efforts to publicize these issues, to put their spin on on the issues, and they're they're co contacting these editors and reporters, and they're giving them a little packet of people to contact. Uh, one of the results of uh, your uh, presentation in Brookings was an interview with a South Dakota state entomologist who, with all good intentions aside, seems to have had no understanding of bees beyond what she had read or been told, and she really was presenting the industry script, and I'm sure that that little conversation was probably arranged by the industry lobbyists. You have to ask yourself, why wouldn't South Dakota Public Radio 
interview a, a leading beekeeper rather than a state extension entomologist uh, who wants to present the corporate view. So the corporations are in here very carefully trying to manage this picture. These are billion-dollar products, and they're going to assure that they continue to be used, and they're going to spin the evidence as in their favor at every opportunity. Just to quote Amanda Bachman, she said, the varroa mite is weakening the colony, and so is that making it more susceptible to poor nutrition or other diseases that are coming in? Is it making it less able to deal with some of our new and exciting climate and weather issues? Well, it's interesting. Not once was the word neonicotinoid mentioned, and that's obvious because it's a negative connotation which upsets industry shareholders. And to avoid addressing neonicotinoids, especially at this particular point in time, is just reckless. This, uh, we, need to, we need to put this in context for the listeners once again, because this really is the most massive poisoning of the environment in human history. And for someone who supposedly is involved in these issues to not even mention that leads to some very serious questions. Why would they not? The industry mantra is it's varroa, varroa, varroa. And as as James has said, as a practicing beekeeper, certainly varroa is a consideration. But it's clear from over a thousand different peer-reviewed scientific studies that it's the neonicotinoids and a few of the other pesticides that are at the heart of these dramatic losses. And the toxic equivalence of what's being put on the agricultural lands alone, a little over 200 million acres, is equivalent to about 300 to 400 billion, that's billion with a B, billion pounds of DDT every year. And we have spokespeople who are trying to avoid this question completely. It's at best, it's irresponsible. At worst, it's it's criminal. criminal. It is criminal. If you look at, well, Tom, you lived through the days of DDT where children were being sprayed with DDT. Perhaps you could share a little bit about that with James and also our listeners. Well, DDT, uh, as bad as it is, is relatively safe compared to to the products that we're talking about now. They're five to 10,000 times more toxic than DDT. But I think what you're referring to, I'm old enough to remember when they would uh, come through the neighborhood in the summer, about this time of the year, and usually it was an old military jeep with some kind of pump on the back, and they would fog the neighborhood, and the neighborhood kids would run through the fog and play hide-and-seek, and this was all supposed to be safe. Well, not as safe as as we thought, and uh, now we're faced with a, a a family of chemicals that are far more toxic and are far more widespread. And from the people that we rely on to regulate these products, we get excuses. You know, James, I'm sure, is very frustrated as a practicing beekeeper. I know I am. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely frustrated with it. I mean, when we raise concerns and, you know, try to have the scientific community actually look at some of these things, the roadblocks that get thrown up, 
and uh, the 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 pushback that we get trying to just just even the simple fact of questioning something seems like such a radical idea in this case. All we're, you know, uh, that's all I've ever asked for. If, if in fact they did research and it was peer reviewed and it was done and it showed that stuff didn't have issues, that would be one thing. But we are in fact finding that a lot of neonics, fungicide, insect growth regulators, all are having serious detriment to bees and pollinators. Um, and I, I definitely would agree that neonicotinoids are, are a, of a grave concern. Um, but, uh, you know, we also, part of it too to me, um, having gone through um, seeing like an insect growth regulator issue happen coming out of uh, California, and even some fungicide problems, um, just the whole pesticide makeup of the environment that we have is, is of, of insane concern. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard it said on this, this show before, but um, bees are really are the canary in the coal mine. We are a symptomatic problem to how broken of a food system that we have. And, you know, if, if, they, can, if they can be a catalyst to actually having a change, then I really, I, I'm, sign me up for being a poster child. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy to be that. But uh, I, I think until, until we can actually get the people who are supposed to regulate the stuff to do their jobs, nothing's going to change. And it really sucks. I know Tom and I talked about this, and it kind of resonated with me. It's, it's like, in a way, beekeeping, beekeepers, anytime we sort of raise, you know, an issue of, of saying, hey, I'm seeing a problem here. Can somebody come out and, and do some testing? Well, you know, they might actually come out. They may figure out what was the root cause. But in most cases, they go, well, we found this chemical, but, you know, it doesn't really look like it was applied improperly, and it doesn't seem like it's quite at the right levels for it to have caused an issue. But yet they're still finding the chemical. So, I mean, that, that, that gets super disheartening. And in some cases, uh, they've, some beekeepers have even had a little backlash um, from states where they've reported in, and I, I think in the, the hopes that it kind of keeps the, the community quiet. Um, I mean, that's happened to my own boss. Um, I saw saw that happen. Well, but, they tried um, to silence the beekeepers just as they've tried to silence the scientists. Now, speaking of which, James, it's very interesting. This article that appeared in the Star Tribune has zero comments. And I know that there's been a lot of discussion in the beekeeping community, all the different groups on the Internet, discussing this article. And... Joining us is actually Graham White from Scotland, who would like to share his view. So, Graham, welcome to the show, and please share with us your view. Well, um, first of all, I'd like to say congratulations to James and Tiffany and all the people involved in the Dead Bee Tour of America. It's a fantastic innovation. When I read about that, uh, I read about it via an article in the Star Tribune, which I think is based in Minneapolis, and uh, I immediately uh, was astonished that the article had been completely uh, manipulated away from the basic information that James and his team were trying to convey, that pesticides are killing bees. There was a lengthy, lengthy interview in the paper and also on South Dakota Public Radio with a lady called uh, Andrea Bachman, who is the entomologist advisor at the State University. Amanda Bachman. Amanda Bachman. And what she basically said was, she didn't mention pesticides once in her answers. and It was quite a lengthy interview. 
Uh, it's all to do with varroa mites and uh, lack of wildflowers and those pesky beekeepers who don't know how to look after their bees. It's really the fault of the commercial beekeepers trucking their bees around. That's what's killing the bees. So I wrote a, a, a lengthy piece. It took me about an hour to compose it. And I said that uh, she seemed to, I was astonished that she, as an entomologist, seemed to know nothing about the 20-year history of neonicotinoids and how they have destroyed bees in France, Germany, Italy, Spain, the UK, Netherlands, Argentina, and, of course, 20 million dead beehives in America. Uh, I, I also pointed out that she's a professional entomologist, which means she must read the scientific literature. Now, there have been 1,100 published, peer-reviewed, independent studies, which have all focused on neonicotinoids as the primary cause of mass bee deaths in America. And this lady being paid out of public taxpayers' money in a, in a leading college in South Dakota seems to be either entirely unaware of that or she's concealing that. When I went to her webpage, uh, there was a, a fantastic section that showed that she's responsible for issuing licenses to pesticide applicators. And there was a big smiling picture of her alongside a gigantic pesticide spraying machine. So that's what an entomologist really does in South Dakota. They give people pieces of paper to let them go out and spread millions of gallons of bee-killing pesticides across the entire landscape. That's what she does. Uh, anyway, uh, I had no response from her. When, when I posted my stuff to the Star Tribune, I was told, I got a, a, a little message saying, this does not conform to our standards. So I, I toned it down and I, I made it as neutral as I possibly could, said I wanted to help her because she obviously didn't know about all this stuff. It, they never posted it. There are no comments posted on that article. It's, um, it's a complete blackout on anything that is contrary to the pesticide industry's view. Well, unfortunately, that is very common. I know that there have been numerous articles out there in which I've commented, Thomas commented, so many of the commercial beekeepers that have been on the show, scientists, industry experts have commented, and they are being censored for the obvious reason that industry will not allow anybody to publicly go against them and leave that information out there for the public to see. Well, I'm absolutely certain that as soon as CropLife and Bayer got to hear about James and Tiffany's dead bee tour of America, they would have immediately put together a team of public relations experts who would have mapped out every place that this uh, the dead bee tour is going, and they will be contacting all the reporters, all the TV stations, all the radio stations, all the newspapers in advance and sending them a nice big fat package of industry propaganda together with a whole uh, character list of people that they want them to interview who uh, say that it's nothing to do with pesticides. So James and Tiffany and the Dead Bee Tour are really up against it because they don't have anybody supporting them. They have no money. They're doing this on their own initiative, and they're facing people who have billions of dollars to spend on propaganda and public relations. Graham, thank you so much for participating and for your comments. As always, June, it's a pleasure. I really admire what you do. Thanks, Graham. Bye. Well, James, all I could say is we really do appreciate all the time, energy, and effort that you're putting into the tour, and we do wish you all the best, especially testifying 
in a, in a couple of days, actually. And it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we'll just keep uh, keep moving forward. And uh, to be honest, my my little mantra I'm holding on to is just you know keep uh, holding on to hope because if you if you just look at everything and and uh, get full of fear, it's just going to be a dark place. So that's that's all I can do, and that's what I'm going to keep doing, and that's why I'm on the tour. Um, hope is what uh, what what keeps me going. Thanks, James. Yeah, thank you, well, guys. Uh, you're very welcome. I'd like to thank both James and Graham. They've given us some wonderful insight into the intricacies of these questions. And it's it's as much as I've been involved, it's been helpful for me. I'm sure that it's helpful to the listeners, and they need to begin to take part. They're being deceived, they're being poisoned, and they need to take action. You know, and I, I just quick add to that, if they feel like there's nothing they can do at all, the very simple thing of emailing, calling, or writing to their state legislator or even federal legislators, just saying, hey, I'm really concerned about pollinators, and I think there should be some stuff done about it. Even yeah. something that simple goes a long way to knowing that their constituents are paying attention to it and want some change to happen. Yes. Well, next week is National Pollinator Week, and once again, the spotlight is on our pollinators, not just our honeybees, but all of our pollinators. And remember, folks, pollinators are basically the indicator species. What happens to them inevitably will happen to us. So tune in next week as Tom and I continue. Before I go, I'd like to mention some new supporters of the show. Corona Tools, who's been very generous with all of their efforts towards supporting us. Dripworks, which is a great destination for irrigation products. And their owner is actually going to be on the show next week to talk about how you can combat Zika virus. And our friends at Market Lojas, which is Lifestyle of Health and Sustainability. Cape Cod All Natural Mosquito and Tick Bug Repellent Products, which are available at CapeCodNaturals.com. And, of course, we're always grateful to Eden Foods. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic U Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, folks.